Um, okay, Ian, I'm gonna ask you the I'm gonna ask you my classic question, but this time it's right. I'm gonna I'm gonna quiz you more than I'm going to ask you. I want to know. Do you remember the dog's name? Oh no, I I know this. Um, oh come gosh. on, Ian. It's like badgers. No, no. Um, can you tell me what they compared the dog to? A marshmallow. There you go. Okay, I'm you're you're there at least. Dude, his name is Jangers. Jangers, <laughs> Jangers. I was close, like badgers, and the like. I was. Uh... Lost this place. Uh, I lost my wallet a couple weeks back. New one is in the mail. Temporary. Where are you two headed? We are headed to our vacation home up by Morris Lake. I sank every penny I had into it. Me and Dale here, we're going to go fix her up. Maybe do a little fishing. Do a little fishing. He's been striking out the ladies. I figure a little man time might do him some good. Welcome to Paths of Fear, the weekly podcast where we give our takes on horror movies and explore the opinions of our audience. I'm Ian. And I'm Marshall. And today we'll be having a look at Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, a comedy horror film made in 2010, directed by Eli Craig and written by Eli Craig and Morgan Jurgensen. That's such a fun name to say. Hold on. Morgan Jurgensen. Morgan Jurgensen. Morgan Jurgensen. Morgan Morgan. I like that. Well, uh, should, should I give a teaser? Uh, yeah, hit us up with that teasing, Ian. Okay, I'm waiting for the day when you say no, and it's going to be real awkward. <laughs> Nine college students are going camping in the woods of West Virginia, while two hillbillies, Tucker and Dale, are going to repair and renovate a cabin that Tucker's just bought as a vacation home. A giant misunderstanding will lead these college students into a fight for survival against themselves. Looks can be misleading, and while Tucker and Dale are innocent of being killers, there is a killer in their midst. At the end of the day, it'll be Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh my goodness. I like the way you fit the title at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Was yeah I'm trying out something new. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. All right. Well, Marshall, how did you score this movie? I gave this movie a solid 8.5 myself. I, I give this movie... A 10 out of 10. Just a straight 10 out of 10. You know, I'm impressed. It's a 10 out of 10. I I can't really think about what would really make it better for me. Oh, um, okay. It just it knows what it is, and it does it so well, and I love it. It's a fantastic movie. 10 out of 10. That makes us a 9.25 out of 10, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, 9.25. And uh, our audience gave the, gave the movie an average of 8.4. Wow. So... Okay. All in all, very high scores all around. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, mine is quite crazy, yeah. but uh, I can explain. <laughs> <laughs> and we will be doing so. So now that you've gotten a teaser for the whole movie and our scores, you can decide if you'd like to watch this movie. If you've already watched it or you don't think it's for you, then stay tuned. I'll now be going into a recap of the whole movie, so we're all up to speed. Nine college students, Allison, Chad, Chloe, Chuck, Jason, Naomi, Todd, Mitch and Mike are going camping in rural West Virginia. On their way, they stop at an old gas station for beer and encounter Tucker and Dale, two well-meaning hillbillies who have just bought the vacation home of their dreams, a run-down lakefront cabin deep in the woods. Tucker and Dale see the college students, and Tucker suggests that Dale try to talk to one of them. 
Dale nervously follows through and attempts to talk to Allison, but because of his inferiority complex and seemingly creepy demeanor, he only scares her and her friends off as they quickly jump back in their truck and drive away. Dale confirms to himself that he's simply a zero with the ladies, and he and Tucker continue on their way to the cabin. While on the road, they're pulled over by a local sheriff, and after Tucker says they're headed to their new vacation home, the sheriff forebodingly tells them that there ain't nothing up there but pain and suffering on a scale you can't even imagine. Tucker and Dale arrive at their dusty and decrepit cabin, excited to begin work on repairing it. Meanwhile, in the woods nearby, the group of college students set up a camp, and Chad tells a story about the Memorial Day Massacre, a hillbilly murder spree which took place 20 years ago. Later, the group goes skinny dipping in the nearby lake, where Tucker and Dale are fishing. Tucker wants to row closer to get a better look, but Dale is reluctant and calls him a peeping Tom. Allison, about to jump off a nearby rock, hears them talking and is startled. She slips and hits her head as she falls into the water. Dale jumps in and gets her into the boat, saving her from drowning. Tucker calls over to the other college students that he's got their friends, but the college kids think that she's being kidnapped and run away in horror to get Chad for help. Confused, Tucker and Dale bring unconscious Allison back to the cabin. When Allison awakes in the cabin the next day, she is initially horrified, thinking that she's been kidnapped. However, she eventually understands what happened and plays a game of trivia with Dale. The other college kids arrive at the cabin to save Allison from her psychopathic captors, and Chuck drives away in their truck to get the police, since they can't get cell reception. Mitch isn't as quick to judge as his friends are, and he nervously walks towards the spooky cabin's front door. At the same time, Tucker is out back, cutting into a hollow log with a chainsaw, and accidentally cuts into an active beehive inside. As the bees begin attacking Tucker, he runs away, frantically waving around his chainsaw, which Mitch and the other college kids misinterpret as hostility. They scatter through the woods, and as Mitch sprints away from Tucker, he accidentally impales himself on a broken tree, killing himself. After finding Mitch's body, Chad persuades the others that they're in a battle for survival against these two cutthroat hillbilly killers. Allison's friends follow Tucker and Dale back to the cabin and see Allison helping to dig an outhouse hole, but they assume she is being made to dig her own grave. The college kids attack. Mike goes after Dale with a crudely made wooden spear, and as Allison warns Dale, he turns and accidentally knocks Allison unconscious with the shovel he has over his shoulder. He then trips and falls into the half-completed outhouse hole. Mike trips as well. His spear lands in the hole next to Dale, and Mike falls on top of it, impaling himself. At the same time, Todd goes after Tucker, who's throwing wood into the wood chipper. As Todd runs up to stab him with a small knife, Tucker ducks to get another piece of wood, and Todd trips over him, inadvertently throwing himself directly into the wood chipper. The other kids assume the hillbillies killed Mike and Todd when they see Tucker trying to pull Mike from the wood chipper, and they retreat into the woods. After this unfortunate series of events, Tucker and Dale think the college kids must be a part of some suicide pact. Dale thinks they should call the police, but Tucker knows that their story would sound ridiculous and that contacting the police would only make them murder suspects. Instead, Tucker and Dale prepare to move the bodies, starting with getting what's left of Todd out of the wood chipper. The college kids regroup and find Chuck driving back with the sheriff. Chad stays behind because he thinks the cops won't help, but the rest of the group goes with Chuck and the sheriff. The sheriff arrives at the cabin as Tucker and Dale are dragging the better half of Todd across the lawn. He expresses doubt over Tucker and Dale's suicide pact theory. Dale mentions that Allison could explain, but she's inside and unconscious. The sheriff follows them inside and checks on Allison. He then explains that Tucker and Dale are in big trouble, but accidentally kills himself by leaning against a loose beam, getting his head impaled by a falling wooden plank with nails in it. 
He stumbles out of the cabin and dies in front of the college kids in the police car. Chuck panics and grabs the sheriff's gun, only to accidentally shoot himself in the head while trying to figure out how to turn the safety off. Chad reappears, takes the gun, and attempts to shoot Tucker and Dale. After they retreat into the cabin, Chad captures Dale's dog and threatens to shoot him if they don't come out. Dale distracts them while Tucker goes around back to free the dog. Dale's dog escapes into the woods, but the college students manage to capture Tucker, whom they tie upside down to a tree. Chad then tortures Tucker and cuts off his two fingers. He sends them with a message to Dale to come and get Tucker. Allison awakes once again, and Dale explains to her what happened. At first, she finds it hard to believe, but after she goes outside and sees the carnage along with Chad's message, she believes him. Dale leaves to rescue Tucker, while Chad and Naomi return to the cabin to save Allison. When Allison tries to explain the situation and that there must be a misunderstanding, they accuse her of having Stockholm Syndrome. Tucker and Dale return, and Allison attempts to lead a calm discussion. Chad says his grandmother told him that his father was killed in the Memorial Day Massacre, and his mother was the lone survivor. Jason and Chloe then break in to save everyone, and a fire breaks out. Tucker, Dale, and Allison escape. Naomi, Chloe, and Jason die, and Chad, insane and scarred, survives and goes after the other three. Tucker, Dale, and Allison get into Tucker's truck and drive away, but quickly crash into a tree with a distracted Dale at the wheel. After Dale wakes up to his dog licking him in the crashed truck, Tucker tells him that Chad has taken Allison. Dale's dog leads him to an old sawmill where Chad ties Allison to a piece of lumber and forces her to kiss him. Chad, unconvinced by Allison's kiss and jealous that she may be in love with Dale, powers up the sawmill to kill Allison. Dale arrives, fights with Chad, and rescues Allison. The two barricade themselves inside an upstairs office where they discover news clippings, revealing Chad's father to be the killer and rapist of the Memorial Day Massacre, not one of the victims. Chad breaks into the upstairs with a chainsaw and goes to kill Dale, but is shocked when Allison explains that he's half hillbilly himself. Instead of stopping, Chad becomes enraged and goes after Dale again, but Dale stops his attack by throwing a box of chamomile tea at Chad, giving him an asthma attack. Chad, standing near a window, convulses and falls off the building. The police and a news crew arrives late at the cabin and broadcast a news report stating that the deaths appear to be the result of a suicide pact and a deranged killer, who is revealed to be Chad, has not been found. Tucker watches the report on the news while recovering from his finger reattachment surgery in the hospital. Dale enters and they discuss Tucker's recovery. Tucker asks Dale whether he finally asked out Allison or not, and is happy to hear the two of them are going bowling. Later that night at the bowling alley, Dale encourages a fellow hillbilly to talk to some girl and to just be himself. As Dale and Allison confess their feelings for each other and kiss, the other hillbilly accidentally knocks out a girl in the background, starting a new misunderstanding. And that's that. I dig it, Ian. It's, it's do the camel tea. The way they set that up with Chad throughout the whole movie, like he's, I I have to give props to the actor who was playing Chad, because uh, mm-hmm. he he played a very unlikable character, which is, I imagine, is fun to do, but it also kind of hurt. I feel like it can hurt your career pretty bad. But the way he pulls up his inhaler, dude. Yeah, it. it <laughs> I just. Love I mean, it. especially. I think it also his personality is so funny because it's um I mean it's literally the definition of toxic masculinity. Oh yeah. You know, where it's it's where you're obsessed with being masculine and you do all this stupid crap that doesn't make you masculine at all, right? 
Um, and for, and it's so funny because you know you really see it too um, in the in the scene where you first see his inhaler where he's smoking, and then after he you know hits a cigarette, he he uh, <laughs> has to take a hit from his inhaler. Yeah, <laughs> it's just I feel like that really describes his personality. No, it's so true. Um, uh, I I just love how confident he is with his inhaler the whole time. Like yeah, like he's <laughs> super cool for hitting his inhaler or something. Yeah, <laughs> every time he does it, it's just so great. When you're just like, dude, why are you smoking when you have asthma? <laughs> oh man, I mean, there's also, I mean, just just talking about that, um, and, and like I was saying earlier, ev- every joke in this movie is so tight, and, and there's also a bunch of little ones that you sort of miss. Mm-hmm. Um, like after the scene uh, where they're all around the fire, you know, he's telling a story, smoking and using his inhaler. One of the other college kids, I think it's Todd, uh, runs up uh, with a with a toilet, like a roll of toilet paper in hand and says, did you guys know there's a lake over there? We should go skinny dipping. <laughs> and like you kind of think about, hmm, I wonder where he was <laughs> yeah. doing his business. <laughs> just just like little things like that. No, it's great. Uh, kind of the setups like that. I feel you, I feel you there. Um, I got to say, uh, I'm curious about where they got the dog actor because I can't imagine many movies that like are saying like I want a really sweet one eyed dog. Uh, <laughs> so I I'm curious just how hard that dog was to find. Maybe he was super easy. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I kind of wonder with that. I mean, do you really go out looking for that dog, or do you just kind of look for a dog and you find it? And you're like, that's the one. You I'd know? love to know the story behind Jenkins D. That'd be great to know how they found that dog, why they decided on that dog. Mm. That'd be pretty awesome. Uh, well, okay. What what about this movie blew you out of the water so much, Shane? Like, what what earned it that ten out of ten, that one point five that I didn't give it? We well, see uh, in movies something that I always look for is: Do I like the characters? Like, uh, do I care about the characters? Do I feel for the characters? And in this movie. Tucker and Dale are just such amazing characters. I love their friendship. I love uh, just their relationship. I love their individual characters. They are just fantastic characters, and I can't get enough of them. I like the other characters as well and how they interact with Tucker and Dale, but of course the focus is on Tucker and Dale, and uh, Naturally. they're awesome. <laughs> uh, no, I agree. They're, they are 100% great characters, and I was thinking like a Tucker and Dale versus Evil 2 or something would do so well just because we're coming back for the sake of these characters more than we're coming back for like a crazy amazing story or anything. We like seeing these two guys on our screen. I, I did see that um, on the Wikipedia page that I read uh, that apparently the director Eli Craig had talked about uh, a sequel, making a sequel where it would be Tucker and Dale go to Yale <laughs> where it would be like a like a you know horror movie meets goodwill hunting or something that's pretty incredible other than loving those two characters though um the writing is just so good it's so tight every joke just lands for me um it's just really good it kind of reminds me of of brooklyn 99 and how tight their comedy is it's just really well done and even even though this is probably the sixth time at least i've watched this movie i'm still laughing at every joke Uh, they get me every time it is very well done. And what I love is that they don't have to use like any of this vulgar, gross humor, you know, um, 
No. Any like vulgarity, any any of that we see is purely in the visual aspect of like the gory deaths and stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, they don't have to make they don't have to like make puke jokes and everything. Which I, that's the kind of humor I like is where it's actually like witty or they're playing on absurdity. They're not playing on like here's something gross in your face. So totally. I always appreciate yeah. when movies can pull that off. Well, and the great part about Tucker and Dale is that while their deaths are extremely gory, it's the deaths themselves aren't to make us laugh. Um, Mm. But the gory deaths are supposed to add shock value. Mm -hmm. It adds a bit of a punch behind that absurdist humor. Um, And and it just it really makes even though the deaths themselves aren't funny, it makes the situation funny. No, I 100% agree. And one thing they do that I thought was very interesting is for most of the deaths, you don't actually see a crazy amount of blood mm-hmm. um the most blood we see is of course from the wood chipper but even that blood is used comically because in general audiences don't like seeing blood in their comedy mm-hmm. like one scene where let's say a kid for some reason like i don't know gets thrown out a window or something and for some reason it's supposed to be funny in the context of the story if you then like show blood on the glass or something the scene becomes so much less humorous than it could have been because there was blood involved. It makes it too real for an audience. Where mm-hmm. here, um, we saw kids getting impaled. We saw them lighting on fire and stuff. Uh, but we, de- we, ne- we didn't see so much blood coming from them, which I thought was just great. Um, yeah, I, I'd agree. I mean, in the woodchipper scene, I mean, that works. Uh, have you ever seen Fargo? Uh, Fargo? I don't think so, no. Well, it's it's infamous for its its wood chipper um, and, and how the wood chipper is involved. And it, again, it sort of comes at it from a point of absurdity where the, the killer in the movie, spoilers, <laughs> is uh, throwing um, one of his victims in the wood chipper who's already dead to sort of shred the evidence mm-hmm. um, at the same time that a cop arrives and sort of sees that he's, you know, put someone into wood chipper. And so there's that sort of like, really awkward hilarious moment right and the same thing in this movie of course like literally the same thing um and so it wasn't the the uh the grossness of the death that that got you it was the the situation that the grossness of that death created yeah were there any deaths that didn't like hit you as kind of humorous in that you didn't laugh at i think they were all pretty hilarious um now I will say the worst death for me, and, and this is actually a question that I do ask on the survey, um, but the worst death for me was actually not the wood chipper, but it was the sheriff's death. Dude, mine too. Yeah, and it's just, gosh, I don't know. It bothers me so much. Um, and it's probably the saddest death, to be honest, mm-hmm. because that guy, first of all, you know, he's just, he doesn't, he's not one of these crazy college kids <laughs> making yeah. assumptions. Is pure mistake yeah he just leans on a beam and you know that wooden piece comes down and he gets nailed in the head literally and it's terrible because he doesn't die right away he like gets up and stumbles over the police car and like tries to talk into the radio but can't because there's a bunch of nails in his brain and falls over dead and that is just that is a tough one it's it's a tough one and i think that one so easily could have crossed the boundary of like this isn't funny uh, mm-hmm. except for there's two lines in there where Dale yells like, oh my god, Tucker, how is he still walking? And Tucker says like, oh, he's gonna be fine, he's just walking it off. Uh, 
and because of those two lines, it uh, it maintains its humor. But I think that if we yes. didn't have those, it would have been like a tragic death. I, I think you're totally right. They they know, and again, that comes back to the amazing writing in this, mm-hmm. um, where they're so they just manage it so well in keeping this what's really a terrible tragic event really humorous, and it's with these amazing characters, uh, with and with with their dialogue, and and they just manage to keep keep the jokes coming and it really it's 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 awesome to see yeah i would 100 percent agree uh one thing i love is at the end of the movie when dale visits tucker in the hospital he he brings him like a beer because tucker mm. and he's just on so many meds tucker and he's just like that can't be That's- I, I think i thought the same thing i'm like I'm just like, how do you manage to get that to the hospital? <laughs> like, you know, because this is after Tucker says, I'm high on prescription medication. And then Dale gives him a beer. Yeah, it's just freaking, that's amazing. Uh, I mean, he probably didn't have to have much of it to uh, to get inebriated. Yeah. Oh, man, though. I mean, something I definitely want to talk about in this movie, which I think is what makes this movie so good, other than the characters, uh, and that's the sort of grand misunderstanding and dramatic irony that you see throughout the entire movie, where you see these these college kids completely misunderstanding uh, Tucker and Dale and what they're doing, and Tucker and Dale misunderstanding what's going on with that. You even have Allison, who's like a sociology major who wants to help mitigate misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just uh, such an absurd situation, and yet they write it in such a way where it's very believable. Mm -hmm. And uh, something I want to talk about there is, of course, when Allison ends up in their cabin, the question is, how do you get Allison to come over to Tucker and Dale's side when obviously anyone in that situation would think, oh my gosh, they've been kidnapped. You know, they wake up in a strange rundown shack with weird archaeologist stuff on the walls. Mm -hmm. You're going to think, oh my gosh, I've been captured. And they do such a great job of using Dale's nervous demeanor to make her to make her feel safe. You know, like like he oh, initially yeah. comes in with pancakes and then she starts like screaming because she's really afraid. And he's like, oh, oh, oh okay. You don't like pancakes? All right, I'll go get something else. And then he, he leaves and comes back with like uh, scrambled eggs and bacon. <laughs> no, that was, that was perfect. Um, one thing I want to say that the look that Dale gives at the very beginning of the movie to introduce mm-hmm. them was absolutely perfect. Like it looks like it's something that would come out of a movie meant to be a horror movie. Just where they're driving by and he's just blankly staring at them. Yeah, totally. And of course later, um, this is really where the misunderstanding starts. You have, uh, <laughs> I love, this is an amazing scene right at the start of the movie uh, where, where Tucker suggests that Dale go over and try to talk to one of the co- college girls. Mm-hmm. Right. And he says, you know, just if they say something, you know, just smile and laugh, you know, if you don't know what to say. <laughs> right. Oh, and yeah. so Dale, like he's like, all right, I'm going to do it. And he's really nervous. So he just grabs something that's near him and it happens to be a scythe. <laughs> right. So he's holding this big old scythe, nervously walks over them to them. And uh, I forget what he says. You know, he he says something to the effect of, you know, beautiful day, ain't it? You know, but yeah. he says it really nervously. And then because he's nervous, he starts laughing and he's holding the scythe. And you can just see like 
it looks really creepy, <laughs> but because you know the context of it, you just, you know, you can see it's just a very nervous Dale. Oh, yeah, you're and just it's cracking that, up. And it's that sort of perfect, um, that perfect dramatic irony right there where we as the audience uh, know what's going on, but of course the college kids completely misinterpret it. <laughs> And it's so good. It's it is so well executed. And one thing I like is so you know me, I'm always picky about my horror movies, making sure that there's been some kind of wrongdoing, that these people deserve what they're getting to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh and what's interesting is both of these characters on each side uh are their it's their story. You know, they're the survivors uh of mm-hmm. this crazy situation. Whereas in like a Jason movie, uh Jason knows he's the dude chopping up all the kids there's he, he doesn't have a side to his story he's just chopping up kids. yeah yeah um, he's, he's not really concerned about his survival yeah exactly he's just like i'm just gonna kill these kids so it's it's the it's their survival they're, they're fighting for they're trying to get out of the crazy situation but uh both sides here uh committed some kind of like quote-unquote sin to like have this all happen uh tucker and dale i was in the boat when uh dale's warning tucker like hey no we shouldn't do that that's you being a peeping tom uh, mm-hmm. Don't don't row closer, which if they hadn't run closer, none of it would have happened. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Allison wouldn't have gotten started off the rock and she wouldn't have fallen and hit her and hit her head where they had to save her. Um, mm-hmm. And then the college kids were just being super judgmental. And so they got their punishment for that. And just both sides had that kind of like survival aspect to it, which I really enjoy. And also, um, like you're saying with Tucker, his sin right is Mm. was wanting to be a peeping tom and in fact dale's is that it is sort of his inferiority complex you know he's not confident enough to tell tucker that he doesn't want to go fishing that he doesn't like fishing which he reveals later in the movie Mm -hmm. um if he just said if he stuck up for himself and said you know what i don't want to go fishing then they also would have avoided the situation quite possibly yeah uh dale for me it was the one that was strung along up in it he he didn't want any part of it. He's that friend that was like, let's not go into the haunted house. And then the yeah. jerk friend is just like, you know, but it'll be fun. He he was, but it was also a, a growing experience for him. Oh, yeah. Because f- for this, like the movie, it was all about building his confidence, you know, saying that, hey, what, you know, you're not dumb as a dumb as a stump. You know, you're, you're smart and um and you can stick up for yourself. And it, it was sort of a, a growing story for him. I love when it, Tucker tells him he has an inferiority complex as well. And he's just like, what? No, I don't. And then he looks at his hands and he's like, what? No, <laughs> that was perfect. I don't know. I don't know who wrote that or if he just thought of that or something, but that was genius. Yeah. Well, and also just um, and this goes back to just loving Tucker Dale's relationship. But when when Tucker in the boat, um, there's one last beer and Dale says, you know what, Tucker, you can have it. And then Tucker says that that's your problem right there. You can't you're not you can't stick up for yourself. And then Dale goes to grab the beer and then Tucker whacks his hand away (laughs) and says, don't even think about it. It's just like little things like that between Tucker and Dale. um, It's so good. No, it it makes them like a one. Like the only I think their second and kind of the best friend dynamic only to Sean and Gus of Psych. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that like those two are probably the two best written best friends we've seen. Uh, I just didn't film as a whole i can't think of yeah. ones that work quite as well as them yeah i think you could be right uh it's obviously it's hard to think of all the ones uh, yeah that i know but but i can definitely say tucker and dale are really up there especially 
when you consider how difficult it is to develop characters within the time span of a movie, mm-hmm. um, which is why I think we're trending more towards doing series. It's just really difficult to do that. And of course, characters, at least for me, uh, are the most important part of a movie. And and that's what makes it all the more impressive that they're able to give us and develop this relationship between these two best friends within the course of uh, of this whole movie. And they just do it so well. And uh, yeah, we're about to watch Hunting of Hill House for our first kind of monthly podcast that we'll post on YouTube. I'm really excited for you to see that if you like character development, because I think you're right in that horror has loaned itself really well to a TV setting as of late, mm-hmm. just because we love seeing those characters and we love getting a feel for our characters. So having that over the course of a series, let's just get that much more attached to them. Yeah, and definitely. Um, and of course, like series like Game of Thrones have shown, uh, at least in their good seasons, <laughs> that. Uh, when you develop characters over a really long time over years like real years of a person's life you get attached to them oh yeah um and that gives you so much more ability to uh, well mess with your audience's emotions uh to make them really feel um from your from your series and i think that's just something that movies have a hard time doing and in horror especially when you consider that it's such a big factor uh because you know, people frequently die in horror and frequently we're supposed to feel bad for them. Uh, but it can be difficult to when we've only known them for 30 minutes. And uh, especially when we have all these tropes in place that say like, oh, we where most people can probably figure out who's going to die and who's not going to die just based mm-hmm. on past experience with horror movies. So, yeah, I, having a series kind of lets you play with those tropes a lot more and it works really well. Yeah. And and again, Going into that, I think Tucker and Dale played with tropes really well. I think it was a fantastic parody movie of horror. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like it was its own thing, but it also certainly was a parody of a lot of horror tropes. Um, and they sort of acted those out through the college kids and and their assumptions. Yeah, right? <laughs> it, it, that was that was really funny. <laughs> that was really fun to see. I was thinking that the what was it? They Dale carves a message onto the stump and it mm-hmm. says, we got your friend and like friend is spelled wrong with the I and E switched around. <laughs> yep. I was yep. just like, that would be a perfect tattoo for like a diehard fan. That was perfect <laughs> imagery right there. Yeah, that's that's really true, actually. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, But overall, yeah, I think it was a lovely movie. If I had to count it down just because of I think that's my personal taste is I like I love comedies, but I think comedies are going to be hard for me to rate a 10 just because mm-hmm. I love walking away from a movie really feeling something and comedies. Mm-hmm. They're great for a laugh and I, I will absolutely love a comedy, but the movies that hit that resonate 10s with me kind of speak to uh, a larger issue, whether it's a more personal one of per- like an issue of personal growth or if it's a global one like segregation and racism in the community stuff like that mm-hmm. uh but i think if i had a bigger appreciation for comedy i probably would be up there in like a 9.5 10 like you yeah and and i really do appreciate it um i mean that's why i mean like i said earlier the comedy the tightness of the comedy really made me think of brooklyn 99 one of my favorite comedy series oh they do so um well. yeah and it's just that 
it's just that I mean, it's like watching a really good stand up comedy. Um, and it's so satisfying, especially with all the bad stand ups out there, that when you just are laughing, you know, it just gets oh, you yeah. laughing and laughing. And I mean, that's one of the best feelings you can have. Um, and so this movie's been able to do that so well. I can't think of how it would do it better. I can't rate it anything but a 10. Mm-hmm. I 100% understand that. Uh, I think in terms of horror comedies, it might be. I can't think of a better horror comedy out there. Uh, comedy and horror go so well together. I feel like you can't actually really have horror without a degree of comedy uh, mm-hmm. to do so. Because comedy works so well with horror because it lets you release that tension. Uh, it gives Definitely. you the moment after everyone's been just slashed up and stuff. And someone cracks a little joke and you're just like, here's our moment of safety. Here's where we can take a breath. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, you're exhausting your audience and you're just not letting them get a break from being on the edge of their seats and at the end of it they're just going to be tired of it at the end of the movie uh yeah it it also gives you another avenue to affect your audience because if you cut that comedy off uh it can really send send a message of uh, a fear or whatever you want um to sort of yeah to sort of shift the mood of the movie to something darker you can sort of get rid of the comedy that was there whereas if you didn't do that and like you were saying you might exhaust your audience you're not really getting that that shift that we should be feeling something different now feeling something more i i 100 agree and i think really what distinguishes a horror movie with comedy from a horror comedy is that during a horror movie you're going to have the funny character character crack a joke and then the next scene everyone's terrified and the funny character dies. Whereas in a horror comedy, uh, the funny character cracks a joke and then he dies in the next scene, but he cracks a joke while he's dying. And I think that's kind of the big difference between the two. Uh, Right. And it's oddly enough, I think a reason we talked about underwater a while ago, it's kind of, Mm -hmm. they, they put TJ Miller and I love TJ Miller. I think he, whatever role he plays, he does it just really well. Cause uh, I think when someone writes, they're just like TJ Miller is going to play that role. He just fits too well into some roles. Uh, And in a movie like that, we see there's still kind of like an element of humor behind when he goes. And I think they try to use it to fill a void, like say like a void has been put here now. Like we don't have our funny character anymore, but Mm -hmm. it kind of takes away from the, from the fear of the situation where if it's just like flat out, like this isn't funny anymore. Our funny guy's not cracking jokes. Then, you know, you, it's like what you're talking about. You know you're in for a change in this scene. There's a real tonal shift. If I may, I want to ask you, who do you think like the funniest character in the movie was? If you had to pin down a character and be like, that character made me laugh the most, who do you think it was? I think it's Tucker. You think it's Tucker? Okay. I, I think, I think yeah, I think for me, Tucker's the, the funniest character. He has some of the best lines. Uh, and, and actually, if I could... <laughs> um i i have a favorite quote of this movie easily my favorite i oh, think yeah. it's also hilarious um but uh do you mind if i play it for you yeah let's hear it Ian. okay so what what do we what do we um we go to the police call the police yeah tell them what oh i would tell them what happened it's oh, a good idea dale oh howdy ho officer we've had a doozy of a day there we were minding our own business just doing some chores around the house when kids started killing themselves all over my property well that's what happened tucker he would have to be a moron 
to believe that, Dale. It doesn't matter what happened. What matters is what looks like what happened. And what looks like what happened is pretty nasty. That that quote really just kind of sums up the feel of the movie. Uh, it kind of captures just the absurdity of it all and kind of the satirization it has going on of the horror genre. And I think it just does that wonderfully. Very, very masterfully written. And what I love is that they uh they take that whole line he uses there, the whole like stupid uh the idea of just coming across as so stupid trying to explain things, and they he uses the exact same wording later when the sheriff yes. catches him dragging the kid. Yeah, that that's that's what makes it even better is that he of course he's <laughs> he's showing the the absurdity of their situation. Um but at the end of the day, he has nothing better to say than that than that which sounds completely ridiculous. Exactly. So of course he says essentially the same line later to the sheriff, while they're while they have while Dale is still holding on to the leg of the guy. Hey. Hello, officer. Good to see you again. Yeah. We have had a doozy of a day. A real doozy. Uh there we were. Yep. Uh, minding our own business. Yep. Making some improvements to my new house. The new house. When all of a sudden, out of nowhere, these kids started killing themselves all over my property. Yeah, this one right here. He dove head first right into the wood chipper. In the woody right back there. There's another one up over there who, who shoved a spear through his gullet. Straight through. Now, I don't know how much experience you've had with this, but we... We're scared shitless. Scared shitless. I... You must think that I'm some kind of moron to believe a story like that. No. Oh, no. No, sir. Not a moron, Not... just open-minded. Let me get this straight, because I'm having trouble understanding something. What? You say you are just working. When this kid ran up and stuffed his head into that wood chipper? That's a fact. That is a fact. And, and I think maybe they might be trying to kill the girl that we have inside. What girl? You know what? She can maybe explain the whole thing. If, 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 uh, if I hadn't knocked her unconscious with a shovel. <laughs> on accident. On accident. You've got another one inside, and, and you say she's unconscious? Yeah, she's in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, you better show me what you've done with her. He uses the same wording, and it's just perfect. How he just explained the whole situation, and it came true. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, so that was absolutely genius to put in. And again, like a little small thing here, right? When they're talking... Uh, and of course, Dale is also hilarious in the scene when they're talking to the sheriff. Um, and it's so him, too, right? Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why Tucker's always doing the talking. Um, and so, and it's really funny because Tucker's actually not that great at talking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but he's so much better than Dale. Um, because, of course, during this scene as well, uh, Dale, first of all, has not let go of the leg of the half dude that they're dragging. <laughs> Right. You know, Tucker's let go of it because he's talking to the sheriff, but Dale is still holding it because he doesn't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. And then Dale just says all the wrong things. Oh, yeah. He's just like, oh, no, we have her. She's unconscious. She's in my bedroom. 
It's all just yeah, she, yeah. We should we should ask Allison. She knows what happened. She's she's unconscious in my bedroom, <laughs> and Tucker just so he he just nervously laughs because he knows that this is Thala's just saying the worst possible <laughs> things he could say. Oh. And it's just so good. One of the weird little moments of comedy that they do that uh, for some reason sticks out to me so much is when they actually get the guy out of the wood chipper. Like they were just tugging super hard and he ends up falling on top of Dale, the half guy. Yep. And Tucker's like, get him off me. <laughs> and then like, as he's getting him off, Dale's just like, oh no, God, not over the top. And, so, <laughs> and Tucker just like drags the bloody stump of the guy over Dale's face. <laughs> And, like, what's great is it's just an inconvenience. Like, he's not horrified. He doesn't have PTSD. Like, I'm sure plenty of us would, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's he's just like, oh, God, that's so gross. Uh, yeah. And it was just perfect. Oh, man. But, yeah, overall, I, I really enjoyed it. I The problem is I don't have much to say about it beyond uh praise because i re- yeah i can't like you're saying i can't think of anything the movie really could have done better yeah and that this is the thing about this movie is that i love it so much that i i don't know what to review because there's nothing that speaks to me um or or that that to me says you know you, you could have done something better here or this is an interesting choice like it just is so cohesive and it's oh, yeah. so tight that there's not a lot of gaps. There's not a lot to read between the lines. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a really good movie. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. If if anything, uh, I would say that Dale's whole memory thing, he remembers everything he ever saw, ever read, all that. Um, mm-hmm. I, which I think he just has perfect memory or photographic memory. But if anything, I feel like that either didn't need to be in the movie or it didn't get played up enough. Like they, I feel like they left it in the middle where it could, they should have taken it one way or the other. That's like mm-hmm. the one criticism I would have of it, but even that isn't really too much. It doesn't hurt the movie. Yeah, really. and and they do use it again because, of course, he remembers later that weird fact about chamomile, mm-hmm. uh, and and he he puts that together with the fact that uh, Chad has asthma, and before because he said before that he couldn't have um, Earl Grey because of it. He couldn't have chamomile too. They had Earl Grey, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, and and so he remembers that and throws it in his face. Now I don't think you need photographic for that, but that, I think that's where they put it in again. And see, I always thought the same thing, but watching it again, the box is actually just labeled chamomile tea. So if you, it's actually not like they, he saw the ingredient on its own and recognized it. I thought that's what it always was. He just threw chamomile tea on him, uh, and that's what got me. Yeah, and I also think that. Um, the reason that they do this is, is it's part of this sort of grand misunderstanding. It's it's this message of uh, looks can be deceiving, as the sheriff says before he gets impaled. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's really it is that, yeah, well, he may be uh, a hillbilly, as they call him, <laughs> um, you know, he, he's actually a pretty smart guy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he just has an inferiority complex and um it has a hard time speaking up for himself. And so I think it's sort of part of that, that story that we love to see of, of someone coming into their own. And I think that's part of that. I think that's why they put it in there. Oh yeah. I think, I, I think that the concept itself does plays really well into the movie. I just feel like the, I wish they would have maybe emphasized it a little more in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if he was trying to like give one of the kids first aid and knew like a little more how to do it than the other times. 
Uh, and so as he was applying for it, I said, like, how do you know how to do this? And he's just like, I just read in a book once. And then, like, the kid exit, like, dies because something falls on him or something instead. Mm-hmm. Just, I think, I think a little thing like that would have been, would have made that kind of skill that we see just that much more meaningful to the story. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah, you know, another thing um, that I thought was interesting is how they essentially who they who they chose for these college kids right um and something i noticed is that uh the 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 white dudes are by far the dumbest oh yes um of this group right there's chad who isn't really dumb he's just arrogant and selfish kind of psycho yeah yeah psycho (laughs) um yep uh you know so there's that but freaking todd mike Todd, Mike, and uh, Chuck are all really dumb. Mm-hmm. Of course, Mitch, uh, who's the guy in like the mechanic shirt, mm-hmm. um, he he's like the the rational one who goes up to actually sort it out when he gets chased with a chainsaw. Or at least yeah. he think he, is, he he thinks he's being chased with a chainsaw, and he's he's the first to go because they got to get that really rational guy out of there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, freaking you know they they sort of are that dumb frat caricature yes uh and and then you see actually the the two minority characters um you also have that sort of stereotypical uh sorority uh girl caricature in there as well yes with um chloe i think is her name Mm -hmm. Um, just like wears the really tight shirt that sticks to her body because it's all bloody classic mm -hmm. yeah and uh you know she's wearing the the high heels in the woods yeah when they went camping um and then he've act- and then the the two most rational characters. Um, I mean, there's Allison, of course, and she's quite rational. Uh, but then there's also the within the the group uh, attacking Tucker and Dale. You have Naomi, and you have Jason, both of who act quite rationally through the rest of the movie, through the mm-hmm. whole movie. You know, and Na- Naomi at first suggests calling the police, like they think they should get they should get the police. Um, after after Todd and uh, after Todd Mike die, she thinks that they should get away. And even though Chuck has the truck, she thinks they should just walk. Right? Mm-hmm. Like she's really just thinking we should get out of here. And then Jason, you know, he he's acting rationally in that first of all, he calls out um, Chad acting weird. Yeah. Right. He's like uh, like when Chad's talking about how. You know, this many deaths isn't that bad and that they're being uh, wimps and that, um, you know, maybe they deserve to die because they're such wimps. And then Jason's like, that's fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) And then later, of course, and I think this has to do with a trope. Is when they're all attacking and uh, Todd and Mike are getting themselves killed, um, you know, before that happens and they're sort of saying what they're going to do. Jason says, I think I'm just going to chill here. Mm-hmm. uh because you know it, it's sort of that plan on that uh, uh you know of course the the min- the minority guy dies first right yeah and so he's like no i know what this is i'm staying right here uh and i think it's it's quite interesting how they decided to uh sort of make those caricatures that way um especially with the really dumb white dudes <laughs> <laughs> no i 100 agree uh and they're set up just really well and i love at the end how chad it's revealed to chad that he's half hillbilly like that's a thing (laughs) 
That's just so <laughs> I love that line. I love that. Like the way that Allison delivers it as well. Right. She's like, Chad, you're half hillbilly. You know, and it's just so good. And he's like, no, it yeah. can't be like, like a Darth Vader. No, yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's, so- it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, gosh. I think also, um, I gotta say, I think Chad sort of represents real evil, uh, like the evil that we should be afraid of. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we shouldn't really be afraid of serial killers out in the woodwork who will come out, you know, after us with a chainsaw. That's not that's not real. What is real is people like Chad who think they're, you know, they're all that and that they can have any girl they want and that consent is something that they feel, not something that they hear. Um, I think that's sort of what he represents is that real sort of evil that's out there. Yeah, I'd say that's a that's a very real look into the movie that I hadn't gone into too much. But yeah, he is he'd be the scarier guy to know than like walking out in the woods, not knowing what's out in the woods necessarily. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he yeah, is and, much and, more and that's thing. I think that's and of course he acts really creepy and uh um inappropriately towards Allison. Oh, yeah. right earlier in the movie and of course he's the one who turns out to really be the true killer mm-hmm. right um and i think that that's such a that's their reveal for the movie that's why they have the setup at the beginning um where you have the uh the news cast and news reporter going into the cabin um and then chad comes out and kills her and the cameraman mm-hmm. and then you you find out of course that's chad right mm-hmm. um and and I think I think that's the reveal is that Chad is the evil, right? It's Tucker and Dale versus evil. The evil is Chad. Uh, it's not because he's half hillbilly. It's because he's a dick. Yeah. <laughs> and he's he's got some uh, probably some mental issues that he needs to work out. I'd say that's pretty fair. I, uh, it's like what Tucker says uh, when he's hung up and upside down. Dale, that kid has some serious issues. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was great. We uh we don't got a crazy amount of time left, and I want to get through these surveys. Uh, are there any last things yeah, you want to say? Yeah, let's get into them. All right. Uh, what I find interesting. So you did ask our classic question of how scary did you find the movie? And mm. of course, it was a one and a two. But what shocks me is we had five threes, which like I honestly wasn't expecting anything above a two. <laughs> but <laughs> I it's just weird that three was the one that everyone landed on. Uh, I guess people were well, just kind of uncomfortable it's... with the gore, you know. That's what I was thinking. I think it's also just um, it's difficult to say, like, I, I think zero is sort of more. F- it, it might be weird to say, but I think a zero is more solid than a 10. Like there's less wiggle room. I think for a zero, it's like no fear at all, like nothing. Um, and I think some people like they see that and they're like, no, I'd like a little more wiggle room. So they go with a higher number. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, well, that one thing kind of bothered me, you know? Yeah. It's uh, I just I just found it kind of interesting. People found it a little scarier than I expected. Uh, and all right, I'm gonna quiz you, Ian. Uh, the question we asked our Path of Fear question was, which death in this movie did you find the most disturbing? Our four options being getting impaled on a large wooden stake, getting thrown headfirst into the wood chipper, getting an impromptu steel nail lobotomy, and getting your face sheared off with a lawnmower. Which one do you think was the worst off, Ian? I think that it's the impromptu lobotomy i think that i think that maybe one person 
Maybe one person said the wood chipper, but I think I think the one has to be the lobotomy. All right, yeah, no, you you got it there. It's the lobotomy. Uh, with fifty seven point one percent of people giving us the lobotomy, the next was the wood chipper. Uh, I expected the wood chipper to take it over the lobotomy. Honestly, it sounds just awful getting wood chipped. Um, it does. And then we had like one person go for getting impaled on a large wooden stick, which does sound rough. And honestly. As far as, like, that probably would be the most drawn-out pain, you know? Because getting the nails in your head, you probably die pretty quick. I bet you'd survive, um, just depending on how deep the nails go. And then getting thrown headfirst into the wood chipper, it would hurt like hell. But it'd be over relatively quick. Mm-hmm. Where a large wooden stake, you're sitting there bleeding out for a good while, unless it hit something really important. That's a really good point. Um, yeah, uh, I hadn't thought of that. Um, now I will say, like, I think this goes back to what we were talking about at the start uh, of the episode, really. Um, the lobotomy, there's just something very disturbing about uh, how the sheriff sort of tries to walk it off. Oh, yeah. Right? And he's still sort of alive. Uh, I think that's what makes it the worst I, I agree. That's really disturbing. And we see a very similar thing, actually, in a Scream 4, I believe. We see someone mm-hmm. take a stab to the head and like they're still trying to function for a moment, but can't quite get there. Uh, and I think just the idea of being in that state really messes with us. We don't like being in a state where we're not in control of ourselves. Totally. Yeah, I think, I think that's what does it. Whereas at least with um, the wood chipper, like you said, it's over fast. Mm-hmm. And with the impaling... Um, if it's not your brain, like, yeah, it's going to hurt like hell. You're going to be in pain. It's going to suck. But at least you'll still have that. You mm-hmm. know, you'll still be you. Um, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, like, with the lobotomy, it's like there's, yeah, I don't know. It's just I can't even imagine what it feels like. So it's very scary that sort of uh, not knowing what that would be like. What always blows my mind is, like, we would feel the pain in our forehead and, like, in the bone probably. Uh, mm-hmm. But our brain doesn't. Like, apparently our brain doesn't have nerves. So, like, if we ever have a headache, it's kind of like a simulated pain, but it's not our brain actually hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why they can do, like, brain surgeries and stuff where they can do it while you're awakened because they can just touch around your brain and you, just, you don't feel it. Yeah, and, and they can, like, cut off parts of your skull. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, it, it has, it, God, that stuff messes me up. But um, it's that it blows my mind that our brain doesn't have nerves like that. So... I always think that's crazy. Like the only effects you're seeing are from your reactions and like maybe your thoughts and stuff. Yeah. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, it's like a sort of a organic logic circuit. Yeah. You know, there's all these wires going everywhere and you're just trimming a couple, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're trimming. Well, I guess a lot, you're trimming a lot. <laughs> um, and, and that's just freaky. Cause you're like, Oh gosh, like I'm being reprogrammed. Um, it's just really weird. And uh, so a lot of people were a bit more rational than I would have been in this situation. The question was, imagine you were in Tucker's shoes when the police officer showed up and asked what happened. What would you say to the <laughs> officer? Uh, what would you say, Ian, first off? Well, hi do you there, officer. <laughs> it's been a real doozy of a day. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it probably would have been smart of me to think about this question. Now I have to think on the spot, just like Tucker did. <laughs> I mean, gosh, I mean, what what do you say? 
I mean, like, all right, so here's the situation. Kids have killed themselves all over your property, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I would be like, I plead the fifth. <laughs> I would plead the fifth. Uh, I would get arrested and I'd be like, I got to get a lawyer, man. <laughs> the DNA doesn't match. That, that'll be my thing. There you uh, go. I need a lawyer, though. So I, I, I don't know if I could say anything. I don't think I'd say anything. Dude, it'd be a hard, like, if being the public defendant in that case, like, or just really even a hired lawyer, just getting that case, I would just be like, why? Like, why did this have to come to me? <laughs> and your client would be like, I swear. They didn't yeah, exactly. Like, like, Tell me the truth. I can't help you, but. <laughs> it's uh like i just pleading to the jury just like well you have to understand that while the kid was in the wood chip we put himself there and like that that would just be so hard for a jury and i know that my handprints were on his <laughs> legs but that was for me pulling him out of the wood chipper <laughs> um but personally i would have like i would have dropped the body and i would have gotten down like down on my knees and put my hands behind my head because depending on the cop like, because I imagine if a cop shoots you there uh, and it does look like you're just like some serial killer, some mass murderer, it uh, mm-hmm. he's not no one's going to really look into it too much. But like, yep, he was he was serial killing again. That's probably good. You put him down in the end. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't get so gun happy next time, but it's not the worst thing, you know. That, that, that's a good point. I mean, a lot, a lot of people, I mean, you might just get shot. So, yeah, exactly. yeah, I mean, good point. Put um, your hands up. <laughs> Uh, after that, I, w- I would have just tried to explain to him. I the You guys all thought of like lawyers and stuff, and I was just like, crap, I didn't even think when this goes to court, really. Um, <laughs> but yeah, one person says, I want a lawyer, and please take me, my friend, and our lady friend into town right now. Uh, that's fair. It would have been tricky to get Allison. She wasn't conscious, uh, which is another tricky thing to explain to him. <laughs> <laughs> another says, I would tell them the truth. There's no way to lie my way out of it, so what would be the point? I also would have called the police right away after the first death. And so what was the first? The first death was the mechanic shirt guy, but they didn't see Yeah, but him. they didn't see that. Yeah, they, they made a whole joke that. of that. Um, so the first death really was when the kid impaled himself over Dale, right? In the mm-hmm. outhouse hole. So there really yep. wasn't much time between. like, And then the second death happened over with the wood chipper. Yeah, the, over at Tucker. So they were kind of simultaneous. Um. So really, there wasn't much time to call the police through there. It was a very short time span. Uh, they probably should have called the police before pulling the body out of the wood chipper. That's very true. Yeah, I would <laughs> say so. You know, and and accidents do happen with the wood chipper. They so. they do. That's a pretty serious one. But they yep. definitely, I was always curious. Like, I'm curious how much trouble a wood chipper would have with a body. Because uh, wood's pretty tough, and I mean, bone's super tough as well, but like, I'm curious how bad a wood chipper would get messed up from a body. Yeah, I, I am curious as well how, you know, for them, like, they had it, it jammed eventually, but yeah. it did eat through his arms and his head first. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and I'm curious, like, did it stop because it got the knife that was in his hand? Is that the actual reason it stopped? Was because it was trying to shred up metal that it couldn't? That's a really interesting question. And would it have trouble with a knife? I don't even know. I'm curious about the power of a wood chipper now. Me Um, too. That's a really interesting one, yeah. Another one says, if I would even be able to get a word out, they're probably breaking down over the situation. I would ask for an attorney and say nothing else. Your girl isn't trying to incriminate myself for a crime I didn't commit. You know, that's fair. 
That's, you're smart about that. I think I would incriminate myself quite a bit in that situation, like Dale. <laughs> yeah, like Dale. <laughs> like like I, I knocked out this girl. She's she's unconscious in my bedroom. Uh, um, the other person says, honey, you'll never believe what happened to me today. It's <laughs> pretty genius right there. I like it. Interesting to call the cop honey, but you know. Keep it friendly. Say that. <laughs> Keep it another one says i swear i would never commit such bloody murders you're the one that incriminates themselves because like you've just told them like i would commit murders they would just be clean but (laughs) (laughs) i wouldn't commit this kind of murder this is messy i like to i like to keep it more on the like i'm a bit of a germaphobe i like to keep it on the cleaner side of things (laughs) uh another one says there's no real way out of this one i just get in the car and get the girl and try to explain the situation later Oh, I guess getting the car means getting the cop car. I was like, are you going to try to drive off? I would assume like so. gunpoint? Oh, but... the cop car is full with it... scared college kids. <laughs> yes, it is. That'd be a really awkward ride if you had to get in with it. <laughs> um, and the last one just says, I have a right to an attorney. Which is which is good. There you go. It's fair. Uh, there you go. So, so Tucker... Uh, you in fact should not do the talking. Let the lawyers do the talking. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that that's the message there. Oh man, though it's it is so perfect in the movie though the way he explains. <laughs> um, but yeah, I overall a really great movie. I uh, I I would be really curious to see Tucker and Dale go to Yale. That'd be fun. They'd have to do it right, but knowing seeing what they've already done, I think they could pull it off pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I think it could be a really good one. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just with how good the relationship between Tucker and Dale is, uh, as long as you don't mess that up, that's yeah. good. Uh, you know, have you ever seen The Last of Us, uh, the video game? Oh, yeah. And, you know, like, they've got the relationship between Joel and... Uh, uh, Ellie, I think her name is? Ellie, yeah, that's a Joel and Ellie. Um, and it's so good. It's what makes the first game so good. Mm-hmm. Um, now, have you seen the second game? I haven't, no. Oh, okay, well... Anyway, I think that the, the trick they're right but with the sequel is you want to keep that relationship because that's what makes it special. And if and, uh, and, and you don't want to screw that up. It does annoy me when the writers don't quite look at a, the previous thing when they're writing a sequel and they say this is the good and they try to mess with that. Like they, they mm-hmm. I feel like they either see the good and they're like, let's play with it. Let's do some cool writing stuff here. When you that's really hard to pull off. Um, and instead. Or if they just don't look for the good and they just say, like, let's just write a story with same characters and stuff, same premise, and we're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, I feel like the, you need an intimacy with the film first, understanding what made yeah, it and before. I think I think the key there, like, if they were going to make a sequel, you got to understand, right? So the core of it is, of course, the relationship between and the characters of Tucker and Dale. you mm-hmm. got to keep that. Um, but you have a lot of wiggle room to build around that, to do something new. You just keep the core the same, yeah. Um, because you know you know that that's what people love, but you sort of be really adventurous with the rest of it. See what, like, how this core, how this, how these characters would interact in a completely different situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then you just got to find out what themes to carry over and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, I it has a lot of potential. I hope to see it come to light one day. It'd be cool. Yeah, that would be really cool. Um, All right. well, any last words you have, Ian? Well, in conclusion, 
Um, this is a fantastic movie. I, I I love it. I love it a bunch. It's it's probably the best comedy horror movie I've ever seen. I I can't even think of another one that's even close uh, to being as good as this one. Um, and yeah, it's one of my it's my one of my favorite movies of all time. Ten out of ten. Uh, highly recommend. I think if there is one that comes a little close, it would be Gravy. But I feel like Gravy doesn't appeal to many mass audiences. It's more of a niche audience. Um, so yeah, I'd agree. This probably is the best comedy horror out there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you all for watching. Well, and uh, they didn't watch anything, Marshall. They're okay. listening. They probably watched a little thumbnail or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's how I do and podcasts. I, and on that <laughs> bombshell, it's time to end. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, before we go, I want to say make sure you hop in that Discord that will be linked in the description so you can uh, chime in on what movies we will be watching and come watch them with us. On top of that, yeah. we have a Twitch channel that we stream every Wednesday pretty reliably. Saturdays have been tricky because we are college students and finals have been killing us. At least me. I don't know about you. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. My whole semester was so easy and then like the last two weeks or something, they were just like, by the way, here's 30 projects that each take like 30 hours. I'm like, why? Why would you do this? The, the real horror story. Yeah, the rest of the story was just, the rest of the semester was just a red herring. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we hope to see y'all there and we will catch y'all later. Yeah. Bye-bye.